read an article this week uh, that's from a Time magazine issue, September of 2013, and the title of that issue on the cover was, Can Google Solve Death? Google had just put together a company that was going to aggregate uh, information and try to create this huge depository of information that could one day solve lots of diseases, but they weren't intent on just solving, uh, curing diseases. They wanted to extend the lifespan as far as they could. And uh, this is what uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, said at the time in the press release. For too many of our friends and family, life has been cut short, or the quality of their life is too often lacking. We think that it doesn't have to be this way. They wanted to solve death. And of course, that title's a bit outlandish, right? But their pursuit of it was very serious. And if anyone can do it, it'd be Google, right? <laughs> Today, in our celebration and in our, our readings, the idea of death is right here, right before us. I think we as people have this interesting relationship with death as an idea. Um, on one hand, we don't want to think about it. Um, we've all had that phone call that comes from someone we love where they say, I just got this diagnosis, or this just happened, and or maybe that's happened to you, and, and all of a sudden we're brought face to face with death. We don't want to think about death, do we? But at the same time, we have a fascination with it, right? We're, we're either avoiding it or thinking about a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> death is a reality. And so the center of the Ash Wednesday service and ashes themselves are, is something that has been alive and then has died and, and burned. That's what ashes are. It's a reminder of that we will all die. And it comes to us, uh, this phrase that we'll say in a minute when we get ashes put in our forehead, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. It happens right after Adam and Eve walk away from God. It happens right after they sin and they turn their back on God. And what happens? What is the result of sin in that passage? Well, death. Death comes because we have walked away from God's way for us. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul puts it really clearly. He says the result of sin is death. In Romans 6, the result of sin is death. That's just what happens. When we walk away from God, the result is death. My kids will often ask if they can have a, a treat or a candy or something. And, and for the most part, they're really good at listening. And, uh, but occasionally, they'll go have that you know, treat or that piece of candy without asking. Does that ever happen, sweetheart? Sometimes it happens, yeah. Um, and I can remember one time I did that growing up. I remember when I was about six or seven years old, um, my mom told me, uh, don't eat those berries that are growing on the other side of the barn. And so I got on my little bike. It was kind of a light blue color with white handlebars and a white seat. And I rode down the driveway past the barn, past the berries. I looked at them and I rode back the other way and I... I don't know how many times I made it riding back and forth, but one of those times I just jumped off my bike, I went over and I ate them all. And my mom had said, 
don't eat them, you could get an upset stomach. You could get sick. Um, I mean, this is, this is what happens with, with sin, is when we, when we do the thing that God uh, tells us not to do, when we, when we eat that piece of forbidden fruit, when it, it, sometimes it makes us sick, and, and that's the result, right? That's the consequence of sin. But it doesn't just make, uh, it's not just a physical consequence. It's a spiritual one, too. After I went and I ate all those berries, I felt terrible. So I knew I had disobeyed my mom. And this is one of my most vivid memories growing up. I remember going back inside into the kitchen and just telling my mom, like, I'm sorry, you, you have to give me consequences. You have to discipline me now. Please, please discipline me now. Because my, my conscience was so weighed down with this thing that I had done. You see, sin doesn't just hurt us physically. It doesn't just lead to a physical death. But it's a spiritual death. It hurts our conscience. It hurts our, our, our soul. And this passage in Joel 2 talks about that death. It talks about that death as, as covering the land in darkness. Would you, turn, would you turn there with me? It's in your bulletin or turn there in your Bible. Chapter 2, the whole first section of chapter 2 is a description of the result of sin, of the result of death. You've got two verses there in your bulletin. It says, it's a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds, thick darkness, blackness spread on the mountain. It goes on like that for 11 verses, a description of what the result of sin is. And it talks about it in this language of mourning. It talks about weeping and fasting. These are all practices that are associated with the people of Israel. That's who this was written to. What they would do when someone in their family died. And we've got different things we do when, a, when someone uh, passes away. But they had a very specific way. They would, they would actually um, mourn for a specific period of time. Usually it was seven days. And uh, Jewish folks still do this. They call it sitting shiva. Um, it goes all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible where um, Joseph's father Jacob dies and he mourns for seven days. And part of that mourning would include, um, it would include not uh, working. It would include uh, not grooming yourself like you would, not cutting your hair, not washing. Um, imagine seven days without a shower. This is what they would do. They wouldn't work. They wouldn't... They wouldn't, um, they wouldn't clean. They would sometimes tear their garments so that visually they would look how they felt inside. They would put ashes and dirt on their head and on their face. This is how they would mourn. And, and if it was someone really close or really special as a people, they wouldn't do it for seven days. They'd do it for 30 days, like when Moses died or when Aaron died. See, they knew that when you've been marked by death... And you've been marked by, by that, that you have to stop and pay attention. You have to stop and see what's going on. And on Ash Wednesday, we remember that we all have been marked by the death and the darkness of sin. It has marked each of us. We can't solve it. We can't save ourselves from it. 
We admit that this world is broken, that there's darkness that is covering the land. We admit that we will all die one day, physically, and that everyone has died a death spiritually. And you know, it's easy to look out at the world and say, oh yeah, there's trouble out there. Election season is a great time to have that kind of thought, right? Oh, there's problems out there, but Ash Wednesday is uncomfortably personal. It says that the problem is also right here in me. And when you're marked with ashes, you're marked in saying that I am a sinner and I will die. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. But that's not where Ash Wednesday ends. That's just the beginning. Because look what happens here in Joel, in verse 12. In the midst of that darkness, in the midst of our sin, it says, but even now, yet even now, Return to me. One of my pastors once told me, if you want to know what a certain season in the church year is about or a certain day is about, what's really going on, what's at the heart of it, look at the collect for the day. Look at that prayer that talks about the theme of the day. And we've got ours on page four in your bulletin. Look what it starts with. It wants us to know really clearly, what is this day about? Almighty and everlasting God, You hate nothing that you have made. You forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Yet even now, declares the Lord in verse 12, return to me with all your heart. See, even after everything that's happening, everything that's happened in our life, every sin that we have done or that's been done against us, the power of the life of God is greater than the power of death. The light of Jesus is brighter than the darkness that covers the land. There is no sin that is greater than God's grace. There is nothing you have ever done that is more powerful than what God has done for us. Yet even now, return to me. And there's an urgency in this message. He says now. Why? Because there is darkness. There is death coming. But today is the day. In one of the other passages that's often read on Ash Wednesday, it's from 2 Corinthians 6. And it says, it says this, In the favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, or listen, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of blessing. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There's an urgency because right now, today, you can turn and return to the Lord. And he will forgive. And so Joel says, blow a trumpet. That was the quickest way to get everyone's attention. I guess it'd be like a group text today or a Snapchat or something. He says, blow the trumpet and call everyone together. Call the leaders. Call all the people. Call the men. Call the women. Call the children. Call even the babies that were just born. Get everyone together because this is the most important thing. This is the thing that matters the most. Nothing else matters compared to this, compared to what the Lord will do if we return to him. Today's the day of salvation. What about that couple that just got married and they're in their bridal suite and it's their honeymoon, it's their wedding night. What about them? Get them. That can wait. This is more important because God will forgive us. 
And when we come to him, when we return to him, what happens? Does he meet us with judgment? Does he tell us all the things that we did wrong, all of the darkness? Does he condemn us? Does he discipline us? Does he... Does he cause us pain to teach us a lesson? Is that what God does? No. What is God like? He is gracious. He is compassionate. He forgives. He is abounding in love. His love never ends. His love never fails. He doesn't yell at us. He doesn't shame us. He forgives us. How can he do that? Because the wages of sin, the results of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. You see, when we were covered in darkness, when we were covered in sin and death, God came to us himself in the person of Jesus. And he went to the cross, and on the cross, he died the death that was the result of our sin. He took all of those sins upon him. So that when we come to God, when we return to God, God does not see our sin. He sees Jesus' work on the cross. And he sees the resurrection of Jesus that brings death, brings life where there was death. That Jesus' death allows God's forgiveness to flood over us. When we return to God, he does not punish us or condemn us or judge us because Jesus has already paid all that judgment. When we return to God, He responds with forgiveness. So how do we return to God? He says, return to me with all your heart. Return to me with all your heart. Don't hold anything back. Don't hide anything from God. Don't hide your sin. Don't we all have those places in our hearts those, those secrets of the things that, that we've done that we are so ashamed to say. Maybe you're the only one who knows. Maybe you've never told another person. Maybe you've never told the Lord. And that, that sin in, in our hearts, is, it's, it's like a pocket of death. And, it, and it, it eats at us and it holds us down. And God invites us to come, to come and just... Let that go. He's not going to judge us for it. He's going to forgive us. And see, when we open ourselves, when we open our heart, and we, when we lay our hearts bare before the Lord, that's when he can come and he can minister his love and grace. That's when healing happens. When we actually realize that he doesn't reject us or judge us, but he loves and accepts us, when we unburden our hearts with that pocket of death that we carry with us, he brings new life. So return with all your heart. Make a full confession. Lay your heart bare before God. Let him see the depths of your sin so he could bring you to the heights of his healing. He says, don't just go through the motions. Don't just rend your your garments and not mean it. Don't just rip up your clothes because that's the thing you do when you're mourning. That's what our gospel passage is about. Don't just pray because you want to look good. Don't just fast or give to the poor because you want to look good. Don't just go through the motions. Come with your whole heart. Don't just receive ashes on your forehead. Receive ashes on your heart. 
Don't just go through the motions. Bring your whole heart to the Lord. In a moment, we'll all come forward and receive ashes. And those ashes, when I receive them, mark me as a sinner. And when you receive them, they mark you as a sinner. They mark all of us as people who will die and who have died a spiritual death. But those ashes are made in the sign of a cross. Because, because in Jesus' death, we are given new life. And we are marked no longer by the death of our sin, but by the death of our Savior. We are marked by His love and His forgiveness. And when I receive the sign of the cross, I'm marked as Christ's own, as forgiven by the Lord. And when you receive the sign of the cross, you are marked by the death of Jesus for you. As we come forward, we'll receive those ashes. We'll have a chance to confess through a song that Christians have been singing for centuries. The text is Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy on me. Lord, forgive me. It's a way to sing your return to the Lord. And then we'll confess reading Psalm 51, a great psalm of confession. You can make those words your own and you can return to the Lord as we read that psalm. And then we'll be reminded that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So come, come and return to the Lord. Come and return to the Lord. Maybe you need to turn to the Lord for the very first time in your life. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've been trying to decide, is this one I want to do? Come, return to the Lord tonight. Maybe you need to return to the Lord again. And Lent comes around each year to invite us more deeply into the love and the forgiveness of the Father. Today is the favorite day. Now is the day of salvation. In a world of sin and darkness and death, we are not promised tomorrow. But today there is forgiveness in Jesus. Come, repent, and believe the gospel.